0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny When I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to the site now. Check out all the stuff we have leading you out of the early part of the NFL offseason. Look back at NFL free agency, the NFL draft, and the NFL schedule. Looking forward there to 2020. That's what we continue to do here on Locked On Fantasy Football We're doing some uh, off-season series here, and uh, we're in the midst, uh, and we'll finish up this week, our look at sleepers and busts throughout the AFC. And NFC, we've done the AFC sleepers and busts, we've done the NFC sleepers. That leaves the NFC busts to talk about. So we'll wrap this week up talking about the players in the NFC that we think can disappoint. We're going to do one player for each team like we did with the AFC. So 16 guys in depth we'll talk about. On today's show to end the week. Before we do that, uh, I got to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. So as we continue to do here when we do our off-season breakdowns team by team, we go conference by conference, division by division, we go alphabetical order, east to west, and we'll continue to do that here And start with the NFC East, let's dive right into it. The Dallas Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb is the guy I've circled as a potential bust here. We didn't really see a lot with the Cowboys we didn't like. It's hard to really bring down Michael Gallup, given how big of a deep threat he was outside and his production from last year, opposite Amari Cooper. And uh, we talked about Blake Jarwin, how we see the tight end getting a little bit more involved as a big playmaker here. CeeDee Lamb, I think the concern here is a rookie first-round pick. It's more about the targets here. There are some vacated targets, but a lot of those are Jason Witten. So you have Jarwin stepping in. Randall Cobb is the other missing guy here from this mix. That's why they were confident in drafting Lamb, because like Amari Cooper, he has slot versatility. I think you'll see Michael Gallup on the outside pretty much as the big play threat. Deep for Dak Prescott. I don't think his role is going to change too much. Size, speed. There is a prospect. Gallup is an excellent receiver. I think he can be a little bit better all around here. He can almost be co-number ones with Cooper. I think Gallup has the potential to be that good develop beyond just being a guy who stretches the field occasionally. And then having Cooper and Lamb in turn will make Gallup more effective. So Lamb is a rookie. I mean, he's very talented. This wasn't the right team for him in the initial part. At some point, Gallup will be too expensive to keep here soon because they invested in Cooper. And then Lamb should uh, step in as a consistent number two. But right now, he's clearly the third option on this team. And if Jarwin steps up a little bit and you consider Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in the passing game out of the backfield, Lamb is bound to disappoint. So I think people are going to aggressively look at him as a wide receiver two. And those expectations are really high. I think he's more wide receiver four at this point, given what Cobb and Witten did last year on this team and given how hide the production of Cooper and Gallup were uh, as Dak Prescott's way more familiar go-to guys at this point. I mean, they're well-established here with multiple seasons. Lamb still getting his feet wet and learning the NFL. Tough offseason here for a rookie, not having the normal run of minicamp and being with the teammates the way he would like. So, C. Lamb, very talented receiver. I like the pick reality-wise and draft, but fantasy-wise, I think we're going to have to wait a little bit for the returns on C. D. Lamb. Let's move over to the New York Giants here. Evan Ingram is the guy I've listed here. Now, there's a good chance he can bounce back here, but there's a lot of injury issues with him going forward. Just concern with the concussion and other things he's had in his uh, history. Evan Ingram just simply has not been able to stay on the field, and you mentioned their use of 11 personnel. You could see a lot of uh, Darius Slayton, who's their sleeper for the Giants, working with Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. Shepard is a little bit of concern there, but I think Shepard is a little bit more obvious in terms of the concussion issues and the history there. Ingram equally having some durability concerns, and there's going to be a lot of people who think he's going to bounce back and immediately be a potential tight end one in the upper half this year. But Daniel Jones, remember, he doesn't have a lot of chemistry with Evan Ingram yet. So this is kind of first year for those two guys. Ingram had his best moments with Eli Manning. Old Miss connection was there that they uh, reheated in uh, different levels there um, with their time apart as Rebels. So that was there in play for Ingram. Now, when you look at uh, Caden Smith, I really like him. The Falcons drafted him. I was surprised they didn't kind of stick with him because they had, could have used him as the Austin Hooper draft. Thing didn't work out. They had to go trade for Hayden Hurst. So, Caden Smith was very talented. He stepped in, you saw. So, there's definitely concern that Ingram, if he's not quite healthy, Smith could give him a little bit of a battle here. I, I think Smith, looking from the Stanford tree that Hooper and Zach Ertz came from, there's some upside with Smith here in these situations. So, that's the thing. How often are they going to use tight end as a go to situation? If Shepard's healthy, that's going to put a crimp in Ingram's value figure Saquon Barkley is going to be busy as a receiver in this Jason Garrett offense to go back to that key role here. So where does ever him and Ingram fit in the pecking order? I think he's about where Golden Tate and Shepard are, Slayton being the big play threat. Shepard certainly is going to be a key guy for Jones going forward. So Ingram, the injuries with Smith's presence, the way this offense works, slower pace not having as many explosive plays here, and if they do come, they'll come for the receivers. That's why I'm pivoting away from Ingram as a guy that I want to really invest in and that hope for here. I think he has more bust potential than boom here in 2020. The next team we'll talk about staying in the NFC East, our third team in alphabetical order, the Philadelphia Eagles, and to me, it's Dallas Goddard. Again, we're sticking with the tight end theme. It's very hard to expect two teams to have tight end one production Goddard was on the precipice of that last year, especially later in the season when they had all the wide receiver issues, but they don't have those wide receiver issues this year. Alshon Jeffrey looks like he's on the will we back. Deshaun Jackson is there. Der- you look at uh, Jalen Rieger being also a first-round rookie with some deep threat potential. They have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside who could see a bigger role. They drafted John Hightower. They brought in Marquise Goodwin. They want to be a field-stretching offense a little bit more with Carson Wentz. They already have their go-to guy tight end and Zach Ertz. I think you could see a little bit more from Boston Scott and Miles Sanders out of the backfield catching passes as they kind of split the Sproles role a little bit here in this uh, passing game for the Eagles. So where does Goddard fill in? I mean, Ertz could see some targets go down here if they use more two tight end sets. But when you have a little bit of depth at wide receiver, and keep in mind, again, with they had almost zero last year. Greg Ward was their best wide receiver down the stretch with Jeffrey and Jackson out. Now Jeffrey and Jackson return. Ward is still around. And I mentioned all those guys. Rieger and Hightower, the rookies. Ortega Whiteside could be Jeffrey's successor, but they should give him more opportunities to do uh, well here and produce as a second-year player. He was a little lost as a rookie. So that's pretty deep there when you think about it. Goodwin, if he works out, could be a contingency there as a speedster for Deshaun Jackson on the outside. So... Pretty crowded all of a sudden at wide receiver when it wasn't for most of last year when Gutter produced. Ertz, again, still has plenty of time and can produce here well before there's like a changing of the guard where Gutter gets more attention here. So, again, just in terms of the targets and the way things played out last year, I don't think that's going to duplicate with the Eagles' number two tight end here in 2020 and disappoint if you're looking at him as a tight end one this season. Finally, we'll look at the Washington Redskins, and Darius Geis is on it for me. Now, again, boom potential certainly there. We've seen the flashes from Geis. We've seen that Scott Turner and Ron Rivera, they were on a team in Carolina where they fed Christian McCaffrey the ball. But one thing about Christian McCaffrey, extremely durable. He can handle all that volume here, exponentially increasing over those first three years in the league. And he had no problems. He can run inside. He's tough. He's strong. He's well-built. That's why I see McCaffrey being able to hold on and uh, really keep producing at a high level despite the volume. Well, Darius Geis has proved nothing like that in the NFL. The knee injury, unfortunately, as a rookie, first game in the preseason, ripped up his knee, had more issues last year. It's just tough to trust Geis to stay healthy, and the Redskins kind of know this as well. When you bring back Adrian Peterson, you have uh, Peyton Barber in the mix, you also have Bryce Love that they stashed last year who was coming off a knee injury of his own. From Stanford, he's in his second year. Chris Thompson, they moved on from him again. But Peterson and Barber returning tells you that the Redskins are a little afraid of Geist being completely healthy. And just hasn't proved that here so far in his first two seasons. So, when you look at where Peterson is. Peterson seems confident that he's going to get some key touches. And potentially be able to push for more key yardage here. So, we'll see where Peterson ends up. He wants to keep moving up the rushing list. He was their leading rusher the past two seasons here. So when you look at it, I mean, Peterson, Barber there, that cuts into Geis a little bit. Late downs, we'll see. Maybe that opens things up without Chris Thompson there anymore, but it is a new offense. I think it could be more of a committee approach. And Guys, again, he's teased us before when he gets the volume, but new coaching staff, new offensive philosophy, not as much trust yet based on what they've seen in Geis staying healthy and Barber and Peterson in the mix. So there you have it. There's a look at the four bus CeeDee Lamb, Evan Ingram, Dallas Goodert. And Darius Geis, that I have uh, kind of noted here from the NFC East. We'll get to all the NFC teams before this show is done. But first, we got to tell you more about Built Bar. When I said at the top that Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, this is absolutely true. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, melt in your mouth. There, and that's what you're looking for for a protein bar. There are eight. Flavors that have chocolate and nut, eight flavors that are chocolate and nut-free. If you've got an allergy there and you're concerned there, they'll take care of you. Great, uh, real nice flavors all around here. Unique flavors as well, including ones with mango, banana, raspberry. And they have a new one that uh, sounds excellent, blueberry, lemon. I haven't tried that yet. I had my first pack. I loved all the flavors in that, the fruit, and the nuts, uh just good stuff all around there and a good variety there even salted caramel was that uh, first box that i got so i can't recommend it enough for a great tasting protein bar and built bars uh yeah we know first and foremost it's a protein bar that means it's going to be healthy for you great for the health conscious guy or gal there you can lose or maintain weight and you can still indulge in a delicious treat here With the Built Bars, you're getting one that's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Just take one flavor profile, the Mint Brownie. Yeah, one of the great, delicious flavors if you like a little mint. 15 grams of protein, only 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You can compare it to other bars, including Cliff Bars. Built Bars are just built better for you, and they taste great as well. So it's easy to get your hands on your first box of your Built Bar, and you'll want to keep coming back for more. Go to buildbar.com and use the promo code lockdown, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code lockdown for $10 off at buildbar.com. And if you act before this week is over, you'll get an additional $5 off there as a special Memorial Day week promotion. So check that out. You can save uh, $15 and uh, really get some great protein bars. So you definitely need to check it out when you have that chance. And uh, Locked On Network is helping do that again. Use promo code lockdown at buildbar.com, you'll save $10 extra dollars. We'll be right back here to uh, start breaking down the bust candidates in the NFC North here for 2020. All right, let's continue looking at the NFC North uh, bust here. So we went through the NFC East. We'll start with the Chicago Bears. There's the first team up here, as they usually are in alphabetical order. I'm looking at tight end here. I, Jimmy Graham, there's some potential, but they have Cole Komet that they also drafted out of Notre Dame. It's a big crowd all of a sudden. They also have Demetrius Harris there, the former Travis Kelsey backup of the Chiefs, went to the Browns for a while, had a little flash of production there. I just want to avoid for the Bears tight end situation. I think when you look at this offense with Matt Nagy, they're switching the offensive coordinator again here, going away from Mark Helfrich. So we'll see what they incorporate there. But I think you'll see a lot of Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller again. Tari Cohen could see a bigger role in the slot. So those are pretty much your top three traditional receivers. They'll try to get David Montgomery more involved in the passing game as well. Again, the crowded tight end, Komet being a rookie, it usually takes a couple years for a rookie tight end to settle. You still have Jimmy Graham, who's being paid a lot, but did nothing for the Packers in terms of fantasy or reality last year. So I'm just going to avoid the Bears' tight end position all around. Just too weird to look for sleepers there. Again, we like David Montgomery, so we kept him off the bus list because, again, the expectations are way lowered For him, I think Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, the expectations are about right there as the receivers. you are not touching Nick Foles or all that. There's low expectations for him or Mitchell Trubisky, but there are some maybe for the tight end. So reaching a little bit, but we want to just use this as a PSA to tell you avoid the Bears' tight ends at all costs here in fantasy for 2020. The next team we'll get a little juicier with, uh, the Detroit Lions. And my guy that I've circled is DeAndre Swift. And again, I talked about Jonathan Taylor in the same way in the Colts situation. I don't think you can ex- assume the back that's been there that they liked is, is going to be totally out of the mix. on Johnson is there. They also drafted a running back later. So when you look at that, I mean, it's pretty crowded here. Uh, when you look at uh, Jason Huntley also in the mix at uh, running back for the Lions. So two rookies with Swift. and They have a receiving role they have to fill. Johnson can be a receiver. He was also a second-round pick. Like Swift here, they had big plans for him before the injuries issues came in. Swift has had a high volume at Georgia, so that's a little bit of concern. They had a little bit of durability concern there with that um, coming into the NFL. But I like Swift, the runner. I just don't love the situation as much. It's the Lions running game. We know it's always been disappointing. They mixed up the offensive line a little bit, lost a little bit, gained a little up front. I still think it's kind of, of average or maybe a little below average overall offensive line. They're pretty much a passing team more successfully when you look at it. We like T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end, as a sleeper, but you look at that. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, Matthew Stafford back. I mean, they've really tried to become a running team away from Matthew Stafford, but he's their bread and butter. He was excellent last year. Passing before the back injury cost him the back half of the season. So, again, I don't see the Lions suddenly becoming this running game defense team. It's certainly not going to happen. Their defense doesn't feel like it got all that much better to me they invested a little bit more drafted there I got jeffrey Akuda. but to me i just don't think the game flow suggests that daryl bevel and the lions are solely going to be this conservative team they want to set things up to throw downfield, but the receiving personnel having a veteran quarterback who can fling it all around the field says they're going to be better and swift has a bit of a crowd at the backfield as well so i'm just tempering my expectations people are going to draft neandre swift and Jonathan Taylor taylor's rb1s where I think it's buyer beware there where there's some better values that you can go after that are rookies or not that you can uh, check out uh, Keyshawn Vaughn we mentioned of the Bucks, someone we're going to watch, or Zach Moss of the Bills, two sleepers we like as rookies that we'd rather invest in later than using a, too high of a dra- draft pick on DeAndre Swift. Now at the Packers, the bust is kind of related to the sleeper. I had Jay Sternberger being the sleeper, of the tight end. Alan Lazard, the wide receiver, is my bust pick here. Why? You have Devin Funches in the mix, not the greatest addition here to address the position next to Devontae Adams. We don't know how that rest is going to play out here, but clearly the Packers are in a direction where they're fine with number one wide receiver and not much else. We saw that with Matt LaFleur and the Titans, they didn't really have a loaded wide receiver core. They got it done with tight ends. The Packers have a little bit more flexibility there with uh, Sternberger being healthy here. So Funches got that catch radius as well that can go up and get the ball. So they're kind of a grinding type offense, run first with Aaron Rodgers. It's bizarre that they kind of are diminishing Aaron Rodgers in many ways, not just with not drafting a replacement right tackle that's upgrade from Brian Balaga, an aging guy, instead of going to Rick Wagner, or the fact that they didn't draft a wide receiver. They're just going to this grinding type of offense. I mean, the fact that they, they made a priority of drafting a back early, an A.J. Dillon from Boston College, to mix with Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal Williams says, Again, the Packers are run-first team. They're going to maybe incorporate the two tight end sets a little bit more. They are uh, use the tight end more as a receiving option to complement Adam. So, now Lazard, I, I know he flashed a little bit last year, but I don't think that was the real direction. And, again, Lazard, I like the player. I just don't know if he's going to get enough lux here to be fancy viable. And I think everyone's going to say, oh, they didn't draft a receiver. They didn't really sign anyone other than Funchius, so Lazard should step up. But it's not that simple. When Sternberger is probably a better candidate to break out here in 2020. The next team we look at is the Minnesota Vikings. And the bust pick, our first quarterback choice here in the NFC, it's Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins, the expectations are going to be low. He finished way down as a QB2. But... I don't think he's going to rise. I think he can only go down here. And so it's nothing against Kirk Cousins. Very effective running team. Very good defense here that helps them. They want to complement that. Grime games away. They have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. They lost Stefan Diggs here. So one part of Cousins' arsenal is down. Kyle Rudolph could see less playing time behind Irv Smith here. Adam Thielen getting a little older. So I think I'm just going to avoid as much as I can the Vikings passing game. I did like Justin Jefferson as a sleeper there because I, I think just by vacated targets without uh, Stefan Diggs. He can step up and do things there. But again, the other parts of this Vikings passing game, I think it's a bit transition where you look at Jefferson coming in for Diggs, Thielen getting a little older, Smith uh, kind of uh, passing ahead of uh, Kyle Rudolph here. It's going to be interesting to see this Vikings offense, but I still think they're going to have the approach with Gary Kubiak there and that Kubiak influence without Kevin Stefanski. More zone-blocking, run-oriented offense. Kirk Cousins not necessarily a caretaker because he was very efficient when he had to throw the ball downfield and made a lot of plays, but those were limited. and They had a lot of success running. Why do you force passing if you can run so well with Cook and Madison? So that's the bottom line. I think the Vikings' offensive line also is a little bit better. So everything they did last year worked really well. Cousins played very well in terms of just executing and being efficient. They're not going to go away from that, and Cousins, therefore, is a guy that, I don't see much upside to it. a guy like Joe Burrow. We talked about him as a sleeper as a rookie starting right away. I like Joe Burrow a lot more than Kirk Cousins because I know he's on a team with a questionable, inconsistent running game, a defense that's not nearly as good. So Burrow's going to have greater volume. I think with greater volume and some good weapons, he can outproduce a guy like Cousins. So something to keep in mind in Wayne Fantasy Football that we often forget here. Because we look at the names and the experience sometimes at quarterback and not realize Okay, we're just going to go with the guy who's going to produce more, and I think I would bet on Joe Burrow over Kirk Cousins here in 2020. We'll get halfway through the AFC or the NFC South in this segment as well. Let's go to the NFC South and look at the Falcons here to kick it off. Atlanta for A, Todd Gurley is my pick. Now, they're not even sure here about the health of Todd Gurley. They're hoping to put a workload on him. Dirk Cutter, the offensive coordinator, kind of hinted they're not even sure. That's why it was a limited deal for Gurley that he got to tr- give him a shot here. And feature role. Devonta Freeman is the guy out that Gurley is replacing here. So we'll see what Gurley does here. They do have those other backs, uh, Ido Smith, Brian Hill didn't really do too much last year, Kadri Allison. We'll see how that committee plays out. This Falcons team has been known as a committee there of late. With the Cutter, the history is not great with the running game either. So they haven't had a lot of success on the ground. They were very anemic rushing the ball. Their offensive line, they hoped for bigger things last year, but I think this is still a passing-first downfield team with Matt Ryan, with Cutter in there, with Julia Jones and Calvin Ridley. They quickly replaced their tight end Hooper with Hayden Hurst here. So I look at this team not differing too much from last year, and they had a lot of running game troubles. Again, you don't always look at the name of the bat. You look at the situation and how this team could game flow – and I think things are going against Gurley. I think the key for him, PPR leagues, I think he has a little bit more appeal because he's their best receiving back at this point. So that could save Gurley's value a little bit. But touchdowns, uh, that's going to be the question mark. And the volume in the running game and staying healthy, those are all things that make you want to stay away from Todd Gurley and their better chances to take elsewhere for an RB2. The next team we'll talk about before we take our final break is the Carolina Panthers. And I actually have a two-fold bus situation for you that's robbie anderson and curtis samuel Now curtis samuel first of all was on the trade block that wasn't good for him i think anderson arriving is not good for samuel because he's a speedy deep threat there dj moore is going to be fine christian mccaffrey is going to be fine ian thomas the tight end should see more looks but samuel and anderson seem like occasional deep threat guys on this team there so i mean teddy bridgewater just not highly rated enough to look at here mccaffrey is going to live up to expectations Moore is pretty studly, and what you see is what you get. But Anderson, Samuel, don't reach for any more receiving value in Carolina. You're simply not going to get it with these two guys. So move on from there, especially with Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback, a guy more intermediate strength thrower here and not really going to force stretch the field with these two guys. So interesting situation that they added Anderson and put Samuel on the block. They definitely want a few more explosive plays. Being in the NFC South, a lot of explosive uh, passing games, but... I think they're going to be a little disappointed if they split the difference with those two guys in the offense and therefore not enough for fantasy football to look at there. So we still have six more teams to talk about here, but uh, we'll close here, there in a moment and the week. But first got to tell you more about uh, the Lockdown Network. One of the shows that you should be checking out, a sister show to this, is Lockdown NFL, hosted by Brian Peacock, featuring former NFL scout Matt Williamson and the insight there. So good reality uh, comparison. Co- compliment to this show here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. So, check that out. Reality Fantasy, we got you covered. All things NFL, nationally, uh, locally. This is your home for NFL listening on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll be right back here to uh, close the show, looking at the rest of the NFC South bus and also look at the entire NFC West group of players who will disappoint in 2020. Alright, let's close the show here and the week by looking at uh, the final six NFC teams. We've done sleepers and bus all week. We're in the home stretch looking at the bus for the NFC team by team. The next team on deck that we haven't talked about, the New Orleans Saints. And we liked Emmanuel Sanders in the mix. They're to compliment Michael Thomas. Sanders' arrival, as well as the drafting of Adam Troutman, however, are not good news for Jared Cook. The veteran tight end comes in here. Cook uh, had a nice first season, but we know how things quickly change for Cook. He's bounced around a long time since his days with the Titans and Rams and uh, most recently the Packers and Raiders and Saints. So the second year kind of is a little bit of a drop-off. He's a guy that flashes very well and can produce a high-level, good athletic receiver. But again, you bring in Sanders, a little bit more big play threat, reliable veteran there, similar age there to complement Michael Thomas. You got Alvin Kamara can be healthier and be a bigger factor in the receiving game. With Tavis Murray, He's no slouch there out of the backfield either. And you got Troutman. They traded up to get this rookie out of Dayton. They were out of draft picks, but they liked him. So Cook is in a contract year as well. Dayton, this kid, uh, Adam Troutman, put up some big numbers. So it could be a changing of the guard there where Troutman sees more receiving opportunities late in the season. They also still have uh, Taysom Hill, and we know he kind of plays tight end as well as quarterback, to some degree. More is a running back, wide receiver, tight end hybrid here. That's going to take away some looks at the position, especially in the red zone. So just the forces, the rivals, Sanders and Troutman, the continued uh, commitment to Taysom Hill. These are all not good developments for Jared Cook, and I think he's going to disappoint, fall up from his tight end one status from 2019. The next thing we'll talk about, the most talked about team in the NFL in the offseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about, like Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, I'm going to give you two guys uh, kind of equal bust to me. I didn't break the tie because I just want to talk about both these guys. Ronald Jones out of the backfield of Keyshawn John, Vaughn is our sleeper. Ronald Jones has to be the bust because uh, we don't see Jones holding on to his backfield role. Vaughn certainly has a lot of special qualities, very good power back, underrated receiver. Jones has been in and out of the doghouse of Bruce Arians. I see the pivot to vaughn here slowly at least a committee approach with vaughn jones in 2020 making jones not viable even though they uh, moved uh, Peyton barber and the redskins uh, signed him as a free agent here in 2020 and oj howard the presence of gronk tells me camera braid is totally out of the mix in terms of having viable receiving production here as number three well oj howard certainly with a bit of a struggle as well in and out of the doghouse variants himself I just don't see Howard having a bigger role than Gronk, especially with Brady having familiarity with Gronk. So Gronk, a lot more viable potential as a tight end one than O.J. Howard to do that with Brady. Now, if Gronk wasn't there, I'd be all in on O.J. Howard, but that complicates things, especially when Brady is also in the mix here. So maybe some obvious choices there, but I really like everyone else. I don't think you'll get any bust from Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or anything like that there so jones and howard easy choices and that's exactly where i'd go to avoid buccaneers here in 2020 all right let's turn over to our last division and the last four teams of this heart sleeper bus run here of the week the cardinals the guy i have circled is larry fitzgerald and again this is not reality based he's going to be in the hall of fame he's had a lot of great years for fantasy and reality we know that he's put up the numbers but The developments of this offseason weren't great for Larry Fitzgerald. Why? Well, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. So he's the new number one. He's much younger. He does a lot of things that Fitzgerald does with the versatile route running. Great hand. So he's going to be the clear new number one for Kyler Murray. You also have Andy Isabella. That was our sleeper that is healthy. The speedster that that they got from UMass very quick. Can make a lot of plays all over the field. They're going to start sprinting the field a little bit more. Christian Kirk should also be a mix. So that's probably your four wide receiver set. We'll see if Hakeem Butler can be... Healthier Keyshawn Johnson, these two receivers that they had last year. Are they going to be more involved? Are they going to actually involve Dan Arnold at tight end, who could cut into Fitzgerald's work as well? So a lot of question marks here. Kenny Drake out of the backfield, catching pass is also a concern. So there just might be not a lot of balls to go around after you get from Hopkins to kind of spreading around everyone else here. and Fitzgerald could see limited fantasy football production in that scenario in a spread shotgun offense with – Kyler Murray at the controls, and Murray's running also kind of hurts there. It takes away a few more targets from all the receivers. So Hopkins' arrival really puts a damper on Fitzgerald's potential fancy value. I don't think it was that high to begin with, but he's a guy that I don't think you want to expend a draft pick on here. If anyone, I think you look at Isabel or Kirk as a sleeper that you could look at as a young receiver. Fitzgerald, venerable guy, who's going to help with the transition here and fit very well with Hopkins but more of a possession receiver in these splits and not a fancy football explosion here in 2020. Sticking with the wide receiver theme there, as we pivot to the Los Angeles Rams, Josh Reynolds is my guy. Now people were all about Josh Reynolds last year. I know he's had some moments here. Okay. He was going to plug and play and Brandon Cooks was down and he's going to be the guy stepping up after Cooper cup and Robert Woods there. Well, that didn't quite happen. Where did they pivot? They went to Tyler Higbee. So, I don't see that changing too much. Higby was outstanding when they gave him a bigger role as a wide receiver here. They went out and uh, drafted a tight end there in uh, Bryson Hopkins to be the guy that replaces uh, Gerald Everett here as in the free agent season. So Everett could see a little bit more work. Uh, maybe you'll see a little bit of Bryson Hopkins. You also have uh, Higby in that monstrous role. So Higby to me, Woods and Cup are definitely clear go to guys for Jared Goff. Now, Goff has a high level of trust and uh, security blanket with Higby at this point, who also made a lot of big plays for them last year. So I think that's the pecking order, and Reynolds is really the fourth option at best. Here I think the backs could be a little bit more involved as well in the passing game. So overall, I don't want wide receivers sort of the fourth option on their team. And Reynolds, again, it would suggest that he's the guy plugging in for Cooks, but really we know the pivot is going to be Higby, and I'm going to avoid Reynolds here in 2020. For the 49ers, we've got a little bit splashier at wide receiver. There's going to be a lot more buzz about him than Fitzgerald or Reynolds. That's Brandon Ayuk, the first-round pick from Arizona State. Why I'm not crazy about Ayuk, again, rookie wide receivers can be hit or miss. And we've seen with the first round last year, it wasn't the first-round guys. It was the second-round guys like uh, A.J. Brown and uh, Debo Samuel and D.K. Metcalf that really came through and made an impact there. The first-round guys uh, needed some time and weren't in the right situation. So Brandon Ayuk – Debo Samuel, speaking of, he's the main guy here for the 49ers that I really like. You have uh, George Kittle. So Ayuk right there is your third best option. But keep in mind, it's a run-heavy team. Those like throwing to their backs, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. You've got other options. Kendrick Bourne is still around there. They might factor in Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor a little bit more at wide receiver. So it's getting busy all of a sudden with guys getting healthier in the mix. Uh, Samuel and Kittle established as your top two options Uh, it's a, to me, uh, Kittle's the 1A and Samuel's the 1B. So where does Ayuk fit? I think he can make some occasional big plays. But if he's stepping in the Sanders role, remember Emmanuel Sanders had a few big games early for the 49ers, flashed, but then there was not a lot there. That's uh, what you're potentially seeing in Ayuk. I think Ayuk has a higher ceiling because he's much younger than Sanders, and that helps. But again, I'm going to temper my expectations, not overdraft. Die just because he went in the first round of the draft as a rookie, that's not what you're looking at. Talent isn't a big factor. Ayuk has plenty of it, but role is also important. And I think Ayuk could be more flashy than steady substance here as a rookie. And finally, we'll pivot to running back here with our final team. The Seattle Seahawks bust. I've circled Chris Carson. Now, Chris Carson really was awesome last year. He was an RB1 when he was on the field and healthy, which is most of the time. Rashad Penny had the bigger injury, and he's the bigger injury concern here for 2020, that he might not be ready to start the season. But they did go out and sign Carlos Hyde, who was a 1,000-yard rusher for the Texans last year. So Hyde is another power back and someone else to maybe cut the mix so They're concerned Again, I think Hyde signing is more concerned about Penny, but Penny is a first-round pick, and they want to get him on the field a little bit more. What if it becomes a Carson Hyde Penny split. I mean, that would be pretty ugly in this backfield. I and mean, it's a run first team and they go in the other direction. But Carson did manage to stay healthy, but had the injury issues down the stretch late. Penny filled in a little bit. Again, Carson is healthier than Penny, but just not a lot more with that and confidence. So they had to go out and get Hyde, which is a bit of a surprise. They also drafted uh, DJ Dallas in the draft. So they have some options. In the backfield it gets a little deeper, a little remix here. So, again, Carson, I just don't completely trust him as a back again. Penny's always been waiting. Hyde can be capable of producing. He's kind of the power back that Brian Schottenheimer likes. So, overall, I think Carson, is just he's going to be quite overdrafted again as an RB1, where the situation says durability is a real concern here for him in uh, 2020. So, yeah, we wanted to go a little bit big. We finished with uh, Carson. We started with Seedy Lamb. So. Definitely, uh, we want to gauge every situation. Some teams have guys that are more likely to disappoint than others, and that's what we did here, looking at all the busts in the NFC. So there you have it. You have your AFC sleepers, your AFC busts, your NFC sleepers, and now your NFC bus here, uh, Locked On Fantasy Football. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Fantasy Football. Now tell your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL. Have a great weekend, and see you Monday with a whole new week of Locked On Fantasy Football.